Welcome along to 20 Minute Topic. I'm Marcus Stead and I'm joined as ever by veteran campaigner and blogger Greg Lance Watkins. Freedom of speech is under attack in ways I've never seen before. With every year that passes, the limitations on what it's permissible to say become narrower and narrower. Saying the wrong thing in the wrong place won't land you in prison, not yet anyway, but it can certainly have a detrimental effect on your career. What are the limitations on free speech? What constitutes hate speech? This promises to be a fascinating discussion. Do stay with us. Greg, the limitations on what it's socially acceptable to say seem to get narrower and narrower with every year that passes. And in terms of freedom of speech, freedom of expression, and just having general political discussions and uh, tackling difficult social issues, it's getting harder and harder all the time, isn't it? I think, to be honest, it's becoming a farce. Um, we now have um, MPs who won't give their names, but we will have known many of them, who are not openly admitting because they don't that there are certain subjects that they won't touch because they really don't want to upset the woke brigade. They're not going to upset anyone because it is a matter of if people choose to be upset. I can say anything to you and it's entirely up to you whether you get upset or you don't. Well, you can say anything to me and yeah. freedom of speech means that the decision is mine whether to choose to get upset. Yeah, well, I think to put what you've said into some kind of context, Christopher Booker, the late Christopher Booker, we did a podcast about him when he passed on, a friend of yours for many years, his final book, Groupthink, A Study in Self-Delusion, which was published posthumously earlier this year. There's a very good quote in that, and it's this. He said, in relation to the woke brigade and the, the, the sort of society we've created in recent years. And Christopher said this, those outside the bubble must be marginalized and ignored. And if necessary, their views must be mercilessly caricatured to make them seem ridiculous. If this is not enough, they must be attacked in the most violently contemptuous terms, usually with the aid of some scornfully dismissive label, such as bigot, prude, xenophobe, little Englander, or denier. Dissent in any form cannot be tolerated, as is seen too often in daily life today. Society has become divided between groups of people with wholly different and incompatible views of the world. On the one hand, a group with a rigid mindset in respect of what it is permissible for people to say, think, or do. They are constantly on the lookout for anyone or anything likely to give offence, and they express their disapproval in a series of all-too-familiar clichés. The other group, meanwhile, stares at them in utter amazement, baffled as to how anyone could be so obsessively blinkered and so humorlessly intolerant, and to have departed so wholly from the diktats of basic common sense. There has been no greater influence on the rapid spread of groupthink in recent years than the internet. With social media such as Facebook and Twitter, the internet has given a powerful new platform for people to spread their views to others. And so we witness what is known as virtue signaling, the desire by people to highlight a view to demonstrate that they side with those who they consider to be morally virtuous. But even more, it allows them, often anonymously, to vent personal abuse at anyone expressing contrary opinions. And I think Christopher has summed that up very well there. Oh, I think one of the things I miss about Christopher is his ability 
to cut to the chase and then explain the situation in simple and very succinct terms. He ha had his finger on the pulse in so many different areas. Now we have the position where these odious little bubble groups can't discuss their situation. They just shout it from the rooftops, whether it's um, the love that dare not speak its name. Well, come on. I'm sick to death of hearing about homosexual love. And, you know, it's nonsense. I'm totally disinterested. Nobody's interested in my life, love life. So why would I be interested in theirs? Well, this is, this is, this is an interesting point you make because on the subject of the whole LGBT and the pride movement, it well, seems to me... soup. Yeah, a, a new letter gets added every year, it seems to me, to, to help that whole movement. But what I get from that is, look, homosexuality has been legal in this country for well over 50 years. Indeed, you were, you were one of the key campaigners in the 1960s to, for the decriminalization of homosexuality, and you deserve credit for the work you did in that era. But it does seem as though what the whole purpose of the LGBTQ plus movement and pride marches and so forth, a quiet tolerance of homosexuality, live and let live, is no longer enough. You now have to actively approve and be seen to be actively approving. And with that in mind, we have everyone from the local police force to the shop where you buy your groceries to your local high street bank feels they have to wave these flags that the pride movement. And as Simon Fanshawe, um, who was openly homosexual, wrote in The Guardian some years ago, I think it was some 14 years ago, and um, you've repeated this article on your blog, you've republished it on there. There, there is an element of, among that community that I don't feel as though the whole pride movement is about you know, people who happen to be homosexual and, and live quiet lives and everything like that. It's as though I have to openly approve of people who are wearing thongs as they march down the street as part of these pride movements. There was, um, I noticed on the hashtag that was trending when the pride marches were taking place, not this year, because there haven't been any with, with COVID, but last year and the year before, um, they were saying, oh, great, I'm looking forward to getting casual sex on Tinder later. That's what pride is all about. Well, no, as Simon Fanshawe said, you asked for a place at the table, and rightly so, more than 50 years ago. You got that place at the table, to use the Bill Clinton expression in relation to the Middle East peace process. Now start taking some responsibility. That doesn't give you the right to openly boast about promiscuous sex or drug use or I can do what I like and don't stand in the way. That seems to be to be what the pride movement is all about. Unfortunately, you're right. Um, but possibly uh, one can uh, make some concession to the pride movement because all pendulums swing. And um, that particular pendulum uh, friends of mine who I've known for years who are homosexual are so opposed to it, they're far more opposed to it than anybody I know who's um, not into the given perversions. And I use the word perversion advisedly because homosexuality is perverse to the norm. Well, okay, right. You've used that word perversion. And this is where you and I may see things a little differently in terms of freedom of speech and what is permissible and what isn't. Because dictionary definition, what you are saying is correct in its purest form, a dictionary definition. However, I'm very much of the view that we all have to exercise a certain amount of personal judgment on these matters. Just because you can say something, it doesn't necessarily mean that you should. 
and there are certain loaded words which can be misinterpreted that are considered offensive by a large number of people that one should avoid using, not through legislation, and I wouldn't support any legislation to outlaw such words, but exercise a little personal judgment in not using certain words which can be misinterpreted and used in a derogatory sense, even if no derogatory meaning was intended. I do think we all, just because you can do something, it doesn't mean you should. We should all exercise a bit of caution and personal judgment on such matters. Um, I, I agree with you entirely. And if they keep on thrusting their uh, choice of sexuality on us at every opportunity and trying to introduce it as part of school curriculum and uh, introduce it all the time as they seem to, I will go to the other side of that pendulum. But the problem there, Greg, is that there, are so, that, that there are so many decent people, friends of yours who you just alluded to, and friends of mine who are homosexual, who are in the same position as the one you just described, as, as one um, homosexual and friend. And they agree with me. Yeah, and they agree with me. And as one homosexual friend of mine said to me when he, he visited my place in Cardiff a couple of years ago, he said, why can't we all just get on, is how he put it. Now, he doesn't go on these pride marches or anything. He lives a quiet life. Um, he, he's got his partner and th th there really is nothing more to say on the matter. I'm aware of it. That really is the end of the discussion as far as I'm concerned. It's not something he, he feels the need to bring in, up in every single conversation or anything like that. But there, it does seem, and similarly with the transgender movement, there are those, uh, and I know a, a friend of yours is in this position, that has had the operation and, and now just wants to get on with her life. It doesn't have to be something that's brought up every two minutes. Um, so it does seem as though I don't understand where this agenda is going because look, point one, homosexuality. Where it's come from, if that helps. Well, well, we'll come on to that, but let's let's look at where we are with this. Homosexuality has rightly been legal for well over half a century. Um, there's been improvements in so far as next of kin rights in hospitals, which is also something I support. Um, gay marriages have now been legal for some years in this country. Um, there are various laws against discrimination. You do not have the right to go around shouting abuse at people in the streets for holding hands with someone of the same gender or anything like that. All things I support. What I want to know is, what is the end game with this agenda? What, are they what do they actually want now? You, 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 as, as Simon Fanshawe, who is openly homosexual, said, you wanted a place at the table, you've got it. Where's this going, Greg? I think, um, as I hinted just now, it pays to look where it came from. Homosexuality has been around since God fell off the bus. Um, there's nothing new about it, nothing clever about it. Um, I actively campaigned for it to be decriminalized, as you pointed out, and we succeeded in that. Uh, but we did fail to take into consideration when that happened, the fact that behind the entire agenda was a Marxist organization called the Frankfurt School, which had at one time been the Frankfurt Sociological Department of Frankfurt University and was sold to the KGB. They, in the rise of Hitler and the Nazis in Germany, where they became increasingly popular, the Frankfurt School relocated to America and they didn't have a lot of money 
They were something of a fish out of water being owned by the KGB, although they kept that somewhat quiet, and they were looking for clients. They took offices in a street named after Stonewall, Jack Stonewall Jackson, and their, one of their first clients were the homosexuals who in that fairly um, downbeat uh, ec economic sort of underclass area of that particular street were homosexuals who used the bath clubs in that immediate area. And the Frankfurt School adopted them as a client. They suggested the name Stonewall for the organization, and we have that to this day. It wasn't named after Stonewall Cafe in New York. It was named after Stonewall Street on the other in California. And they introduced things like don't knock it till you've tried it as sales slogans and 10% of all men are homosexual. It's bunkum, but you, it's very difficult to prove negatives. Yeah, so the, the point with all this then is that this is, look, as far as I'm concerned, I am not all that interested at all in people's sexuality. People who I know are gay, okay, they're gay, that's it. I've got nothing else to say on the matter. If I see them being attacked, I'll step in and I'll intervene. Um, they've got the right to live their lives quietly and peacefully and without unwarranted interference. Well, legally, you've got all that. And yes, I, I'm, I'm not saying there aren't homophobic people out there who, who would try and harm people given a chance. But this pride agenda, why does everything from the local supermarket where I buy my groceries to the RSPCA feel they have to get on board? Because going back to where we were starting with this, the issue of free speech, it does seem as though if you don't play along with this agenda, you're not threatened with imprisonment, but having the wrong views can severely impact your career progress. And there are those connected to this movement who believe that anyone who doesn't actively approve is guilty of hate speech. That is very, very dangerous. But also when they, when they go for attacking people, they go for the low-hanging fruit. Now, by that I mean, in 2016, Trevor Phillips, a man I've got a lot of time for, former head of the Commission for Racial Equality, he made a documentary for Channel 4 and he addressed some very difficult issues head on. And a survey was done, a wide-ranging survey, and Muslims were sampled in this and they were asked whether they, to what extent they agreed or disagreed that homosexuality should be legal in Britain. 18% said they agreed and 52% said they disagreed compared with 5% among the public at large who disagreed. Almost half, 47%, said they did not agree that it was acceptable for a gay person to become a teacher, compared with 14% of the general population. Now, the woke brigade, the very people you referred to at the start of this discussion, they would rather go for the devout Catholic, for example, who doesn't believe in homosexual acts, but has no desire to make it illegal, condemn the sin, not the sinner, so to speak, whereas they'll largely leave the Muslim alone because if they were to confront, according to this survey anyway, a very large number of Muslims, a small majority of Muslims believe homosexuality should be illegal. And by the way, I say this as someone who is aware of several people who are both Muslims and homosexuals who I know personally. 
it, it, it goes to show they go for the low-hanging fruit, so to speak, don't they, with the, the, the woke brigade when attacking uh, their targets? Yes, but the woke brigade are totally manipulated by the Marxist doctrine. They don't even realise is behind the organisations they are members of or desperately trying to promote. Mm. We are now in a situation where people have overlooked the fact completely that Stonewall was set up deliberately by a Marxist organization to undermine Western civilization. Mm. And it undermined, the aims were to undermine the norms of marriage, to undermine sexuality as in the format that is socially acceptable and benefits most for families, mm. to then spread that further and you will now notice that it is a very rare event to see an advertisement on television that doesn't have a mixed race family in it oh yeah yeah you're, you're absolutely spot on and uh, exactly yeah. the same thing and do bear in mind that the leaders two of them of the BLM movement, the founders and leaders have openly admitted they are Marxist trained agitators. These are exactly the same brand of Marxist agitators that we found in CND seeking to undermine British and American use of nuclear power and also the uh, black power movement which was marxist fronted the um, weather underground another racist organization these have all been led by Marxist organizations. They have nothing to do with the sexuality of their members or the color of the skin of their members. They mm. are an agitating group designed specifically to undermine Western civilization. Well, this is really what is at the root cause of this because I have, have already said in this podcast that, look, as to put to quote Simon Fanshawe again, you've asked for a place at the table, you've got it, things have moved on in a very positive way in the last 50 years. It does seem as though this particular element, the Stonewall Brigade, they're pushing and pushing and pushing for more and more for the reasons you've just outlined. But uh, you, you talk about the, the um, politically correct adverts we see on television. Jim Davidson made exactly the same point. You never see an all-white family anymore in any TV adverts of any sort. But to conclude then, because we are running quite short of time now, uh, we need to press the reset button on all this because otherwise everything you just said will come true in terms of the undermining of society, in terms of the family unit and the police and the rule of law and discipline. Um, and this is a, a Marxist agenda, as, as you rightly say. But I do think we need to sort of press the reset button. I don't want to go back to the days of no blacks, no Irish signs outside hotels. I don't want to go back to the days of um, thousands of people on football terraces booing black players. Uh, I'm glad that that sort of thing is no longer acceptable. But there, there needs to be some sort of balance here. We need to press the reset button, don't we, in so many ways. Yes, live and let live. Yes, be polite to one another. Yes, don't go around causing unnecessary offence uh, and whipping up hatred. 
there are limitations on free speech. There's the um, there's the cliched one: you can't shout fire in a in a crowded cinema, and similar things like that. And yes, you, as we've both agreed on this, I think we have to exercise a certain amount of personal conscience. Just because you can say something doesn't mean you should. But there really is a need to press the reset button in so many aspects, not just in this country, but across the Western world now. But our time is up. I'm afraid. My thanks to Greg as always. My thanks to you for listening. Join us again next time.